Well, welcome to Spiritual Jesus, Blind Men, Lepers, and a Young Man's Lunch. I am super excited to be here, and I have prayed for you guys. I have prayed uh, that the Lord would send the hungry to this class. So um, I hope that is where you are at today. I hope that you are hungry for more of Jesus. Um, You know, we can go line by line through every miracle that Jesus did. We don't have time for that. But even if we did, that's not all there is to know. The only way to really um, grasp all that the Lord wants you to know about His miracles and miracles in your life is to be so hungry for Him that you keep going back to Him, that you keep getting in His face. Um, Matthew 5, 6 says that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for righteousness, for they will be filled. And so that has been my prayer for you guys, that you would be so hungry and that the Lord would just fill you with so much more of himself. And so let's just pray for a minute. God, we thank you so much that you are in this place, Lord. God, that your presence is here among us. And God, I prayed that you would send the hungry. God, your word is spiritual food. But Lord, we cannot receive spiritual food if we're not hungry. And so God, even if up until this moment there has not been that desire stirring in them for more of you, I pray that you would create that right now. God, that you would stir our hunger to go deeper, to be closer to lay down our lives, to open our hearts to you, God, to receive more of what you have for us. Holy Spirit, I just desire your presence here in this place. I desire more than anything for you to come, for you to be present, for you to move, to act, to flow. God, for you to speak through me. God, I just pray for power to rest in this place. Jesus, Jesus, come. Jesus, come, God. Transform us through your word and through a genuine encounter with you. God, it's not just enough to hear about you, Lord. I want to encounter you fresh, right now right now in this place thank you Jesus thank you Jesus just worship him right where you are let's just worship him thank you God thank you Holy Spirit thank you Holy Spirit God we bless you Jesus we bless you God oh Lord you are so good You are so good, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we're so grateful for you, Jesus. We're so grateful for you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As I was praying for you guys, I just felt like the Lord spoke yesterday, and he said, said, I want to do things not only in you, but through you, that you have no box for. Okay, so we have boxes of things that we understand. 
that are acceptable, we get these things like behaviors that are acceptable and concepts that we understand and our understanding of the way God moves, of the way the Holy Spirit moves in people, of the scriptures. Um, But would you be willing for God to expand your box of what you understand? Because God moves in ways that constantly challenge what we already know. And that's why miracles and the supernatural can be hard to swallow sometimes because it looks like and feels like something different than what we expected. We have an idea of what miracles should look like. We have an idea of what this, the presence of God, what the spirit of God, how he moves and how he operates. And so he wants to do things not only in you, in your heart, but through you. He wants to flow through you in a way that you have no box for. So are you willing to kind of let the sides of your box fall open and to open your mind to maybe some new things that God wants to do? Melissa is here with us today and she just returned back from uh, three months abroad. She spent two months in Africa Um, at a missionary training school and she witnessed a lot of miracles while she was there and I just wanted her to come and share for a couple minutes about um, how she experienced the Lord and um, just the miracles that she saw in Africa. So Melissa, would you come? Just welcome her as she comes to share. Hi guys. Um, I graduated from college uh, almost two years ago uh, with Murray State and I went to a lot of salt conferences every year um, and it was always a very big transformational time of my life so salts are still very precious to me and I believe in what the Lord does in students hearts here and uh, so I spent two months specifically in Africa and um, everybody talks about all the miracles that happen in Africa and all the crazy stuff that goes on over there and it does and um, so we spent um, a couple weekends um, in the bush bush, and you drive for hours to a village, and you spend the weekend there, and you minister to the people, and uh, to talk to anybody. If you don't know Makua, you have to use two translators, English to Portuguese, Portuguese to Makua, and back again to say anything. So all, every word you say has to matter because it's going to take a while to get back to you. And some things might get lost in translation and your heart and the emotion when you say the words. And um, So I just learned a lot about communicating what was absolutely important, what the Holy Spirit wanted to say and what he wanted to do because there's no time to waste words and we're only there for a few days in that village. And it might be years before any other missionaries came back to that village. So this might be the only Jesus they literally see for who knows how long. And so Iris had, usually had a church in that village that we were visiting. Um, And that's who we'd work with. And we'd show the Jesus film and we would um, pray for them and minister to them. And one of my favorite things to do was we would go hut to hut. And we'd split up into small groups and we would just approach the people sitting in front of their hut and ask them 
um, through some translators that were um, also Bible students, local students, and we would ask them to pray for them, and we would share the gospel with them, and sometimes they would know Jesus, and sometimes they'd never heard before. And we prayed for a lot of people. Um, some people that asked for prayer had malaria, and they have no medication. And so we would pray for them. And there's no outward physical sign necessarily that would show us that they were healed. And a lot of times that they would have problems with their eyes. And they can't see anything out of their eyes. And sometimes they were healed and sometimes they weren't. And um, we prayed for one woman specifically. She had trouble seeing at night. And she had body aches and her head really hurt and she was old. And she was sitting in front of her hut um, shelling cashews. And her name was Miss Rita. And uh, so we all sat down, and we gathered around her, and we started talking to her. And um, we prayed for her once, and her, her body aches went away. And then we prayed for her again, and her headache went away. And these are, like, long-term problems because they have no medical care there at all unless you go to the local witch doctor, which is common there. Witchcraft is a big hold, and it's a really, it's a very real thing. To us, we kind of write it off because it's not a part of our American culture, but in their lives, witchcraft is a big deal. And the power that the enemy has over the people is also very real. And it attaches itself to their families, and it causes problems. Because what happens is they go to the witch doctor, and it offers actual temporary healing. But then that healing goes away because it's demonic, and they can't restore anything. And then it gets worse, and then they have to go back. And then they get more and more in bondage to this and then and then it's just attached to their family forever and so we break off witchcraft when we pray for them as well and uh, because we do have the power to actually break that hold so we would break that off of them and then as we were talking to Miss Rita my friend leaned over and she hugged her and my friend's German so she definitely does not speak Bakua so she just leans over and she surprises her and she just embraces her and everything about her changed her whole, the light of her face just absolutely was transformed just from the love that she showed her. And then she started calling us her family. And then she, she was just, the joy of the Lord came upon her. And I think over and over again, the transformation that I saw in their faces and their hearts was more precious than the miracles that I saw in their bodies. But we did see miracles in their bodies as well. Because after we were finished going house to house, and I'll skip a few of the stories there um, we were just relaxing as much as we could because it's hot and your water in your water bottle is literally almost boiling and you just drink it anyway because you have water um, and the sad part is most of them don't um, so we were just sitting there and this man comes in and carrying the body of this little boy and his name was Alfonso Pedro the little boy and it was his uncle carrying the body and um, he comes in and he, he says, I heard you were here. Would you pray for him? And this time we didn't know any of the story. We didn't know it was his uncle or anything. And so he lays this boy's body down on the porch of the pastor there. And so we said, well, of course. And so we start to pray for him. And I get behind his head and we're surrounding him. And this little boy's head is in my hands and he's limp. And he can't open his eyes. And... Um, we're having trouble getting the story straight, what happened. As it turns out, um, his mom died shortly after he was born, and he has no papers, which means they can't drive him several hours to the hospital to get care because he had no papers. And he's always been sick his whole life, and he's about eight years old. 
And so we're praying and we're praying and we're praying and we're, we're worshiping over him and the presence of God is there and the whole village is there watching us. They watch everything you do because you're Westerners and because you also represent Jesus. And so we were just praying and praying for hours, actually. And I'm, as I was holding his head in my hands, I'm thinking, Lord Jesus, if this was America, we would have rushed him to the hospital by now. There's no place to go. And we called, we called back at the base, back in Pemba, which is about five hours away, and we said, can we bring him there? And we weren't allowed to, not because it was Iris's regulations, because it was just the government. It would cause problems if we did. And so we're stuck. What do we do? What do you do when you have no alternative methods to lean back on? When you have no first world medical care? When there's government red tape in your way and there's nothing you can do? God, if you don't show up, this little boy is going to die in my arms on the front porch right now. Literally. I've never faced a situation like that where God, if you don't come through, he will die. And so that really rocked my world, how much that the miracles don't depend on us. That it really is him. The power really is his, and the choice really. We've said yes, here we are, Lord. Here we are. We've sang it. We prayed it. We've surrendered everything to be there. Lord, if you don't heal him, he's going to die in my arms. Well... Um, it got later and later and later in the day. And as usual, we have a routine to go minister to the rest of the village that night. And lots of people get saved, and they did, and it's amazing. And um, these people were instantly sobered, sobered up, and it was just, it was an incredible night. And I'll, I'll just skip back to when we, when we got back to camp, the boy, one of my friends stayed back with him to just lay there with him, to just stay with him and just continue to worship over him. And I went back with the team that was going to go minister to the village. And when we got back to the camp, um, the boy was gone. And we said, Alyssa, where, where is he? And she said that as she laid there holding him, as she worshipped him, she asked the Lord, what in the world do I do? And the Lord said, pinch him. And that's kind of odd. And she said, okay. And she pinched him. And when she pinched him, she realized that he was extremely dehydrated. That's normal. But she forced water down his throat. She set him up and she forced water down his throat as she held him until she got water in him. And she poured water in him until finally he woke up a little bit. Just enough, just enough to see her and collapse again. But that's a good sign because he opened his eyes. And finally, he woke up so much that he actually peed all over her. <laughs> and so um, she just kept nursing him back to life. And literally, the spirit pouring himself out through her into him. This is the best way I can describe it. Just the life in her literally being sucked into him. And so they sent him, they sent him home that night. And the uncle came and took him back. And in the morning, it was so special. The uncle brought him back the next morning. And the boy was so much better. He was walking around. He was sitting up. He was talking. And it was just beautiful to see the Lord actually do everything that the Bible said he could do. Like, literally save that boy from the brink of death. 
not just because she poured water down his throat. He was beyond just a little bit of water. And so I'd never seen anything like it. And it helped me a lot to know that I could depend on this God to come through every single time. And he knew that these people also had no other option. And that's one of the things that I think is special about that place. Because it's not actually Africa. Africa is not the reason why miracles happen. That's really important, I think, for all of you guys to know, is that miracles don't just happen because it's Africa. Miracles happen because they depend on him. Because they trust him. Because they have no other option. Because... They're so hungry for it. And there's very very little religious spirits in their way. There's witchcraft in their way, but that's no big deal for the God I serve. And I just want you to know that these same kinds of miracles can break out on your campus. And the Holy Spirit wants to move just as powerfully in America as he does in Africa. And I saw a lot of other things, but... Sorry. The takeaway that I got was just to depend completely on him and not anything in my own strength. To just take away how I think this should go, to take away any limits, um, any restrictions that I had on the spiritual uh, that I had on the spirit of God, just to take it off. And to not depend on anything else in this world and to just believe for the ridiculous because then you will see the crippled walk and you will see the blind see and you will see the deaf hear and um, yeah so just be open for the stuff that you hear that happens in Africa to happen in your life and happen through your life and don't be ashamed of that and don't be embarrassed of that and um, some people are going to mock you for it some people aren't going to understand it. Some people are going to think you're crazy and they're going to think you're lying. But that's okay. Because some people didn't believe Jesus either. But he loves these people enough to do it anyway. So. When Jesus came and lived a life that was completely supernatural, I think it's really important, and when you read the New Testament especially, I mean the whole Bible is is filled with miracles, but when you're reading especially about Jesus, it's important to understand that um, our Father did not send His Son to this earth to live a life that we could never live. He didn't send Jesus down to, to walk, in intimacy with the Father, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to not be an example of what we're supposed to do, right? So he didn't, he didn't come down here and just say, well, Jesus did all this stuff, and I know he's your example, and I know that you're supposed to follow him, but you actually can't do any of that stuff. That wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. If he's our example, and we're supposed to follow him, it would make sense that as our example, as the one we're following, that we would want to be just like him and that the Lord would empower us to be just like him, right? So if the Lord walked around healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, and casting out demons, what does that mean for you and me? 
That's what we're supposed to be doing, like every day, all day long, right? Jesus came to show us what our lives are supposed to look like. Jesus came to say, look, guys, I'm going to show you how to do this. So let's, um, when we approach the word, I want you to think about it, not just to merely like you're reading a historical account of what Jesus did or not just to gain mental understanding, but you are reading the word to lead yourself closer and more intimately into your relationship with him. The word is to lead you to Jesus. Okay. And so the word that you read is not the word you know until it's the word you live. I want you to think about that. The word you read is not the word you know until it is the word you are living. I am not satisfied anymore with reading this and not living it. If Jesus raised the dead, come on, I want that. If Jesus could lead people into wholeness, he could heal their broken hearts, I want it, Lord. There is nothing in this book that you cannot have. And there's nothing in this book that as a believer, you are not qualified to walk in. Did you hear that? There is nothing in this book that as a believer, you are not qualified to walk in. Because of the blood of Jesus, you're qualified right now. So stop waiting. Stop waiting for you to get to that place of spirituality Stop waiting for you to have so much theological understanding. Stop waiting for you to feel good enough about yourself to allow Jesus to flow through you. Because it is about his sacrifice. He already did it all. So now you can just walk in it. Hallelujah, that's awesome. I'm not just going to read that Jesus fed all these people supernaturally and God multiplied all the food and God touched the woman and she was healed and Peter's shadow, his shadow people just walked in his shadow and he was healed, it's for me it's for me right now today I'm not going to follow Jesus and not be like him and it's funny how we can so easily like spiritualize well I want to be like Jesus because he's patient and I want to be like Jesus because he was very kind, yeah absolutely I want all that, but don't disqualify the big stuff because you're scared or you don't understand it let the sides of that box just fall off take all the limits off guys if Jesus did it say God I want it and if you're not hungry for it pray that he would make you hungry pray that he would make you so dissatisfied with just reading the Bible and marking off you did your devotion today and like showing up at Chi Alpha, but not living in power. Don't be satisfied with that. What testimony is that to the world? If we have a form of godliness but denying its power. Because everybody has their own system out there. Everybody has their own way to get to success. Everybody has their own way in the world to climb the ladder, to get the things, to get the positions, to get to the places. If we have no power, what are we believing for? Okay? And I don't just mean power. I mean, I do mean power to change your heart. I do mean power to make you whole. I mean power to transform your life, to transform your mind, to heal the broken places in your soul, and also to heal the sick, to mend the broken legs, to bind the cancer to do all the crazy wild stuff. Just say, yeah, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do it. Let's start in Matthew 14. We're going to go through this. 
Okay. So in chapter 14, verse 13, it says, When Jesus heard about what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. So what, what happened that he heard about? He had heard that his cousin, whom he dearly loved, John the Baptist, had just been murdered. One of his family members had just been brutally murdered. And he was broken. This is sorrow. This is deep grief. He was in sorrow. He got in a boat. He got by himself. Jesus is hurting. Because Jesus was not some super non-emotional robot kind of dude. Like he had a heart. And when bad stuff happened, he hurts just like we do. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him. So they heard that he got into a boat and he tried to get by himself. But the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. So crowds literally followed him everywhere he went. Guys, when you begin to walk in the supernatural, people will bother you all the time. It's just the way it is. Okay? Verse 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed they're sick. So in the middle of his hurting, in the middle of the times when you could be so easily focused on something that's going on in your life, your hurt, your offense, your problem, your lack, the Lord will ask you, and maybe not even ask you, but he'll present you with an opportunity to reach out to somebody else. Those are the moments that the supernatural can flow when you are willing out of your brokenness. See, this is the thing. You don't have to be in a perfect place to minister healing, wholeness, deliverance to somebody else. You can be literally in the middle of a mess. You can be sick and minister healing to somebody else. Did you know that? Because it's not about you. It's all about his power. So you don't have to earn it. You don't have to hold your nose a certain way. You just let him do it. So he was in a mess. And the love that he had in his heart for people was stronger than any of the desire to say, no, I can't right now. I just need time for me. I'm sorry, don't bother me right now. Okay? He had compassion on them. And that compassion was the love that he walked in And he received that from the Lord, okay? You cannot love people in a way that you have not received first from the Lord, okay? So this amazing, supernatural, selfless love that Jesus had for people was because he sat in the presence of his Father and let his Father pour out his unselfish love onto Jesus, So when you sit in the presence of your king and your Lord and your father and your friend and you just allow him to saturate you with his love and speak life into you and encourage you and build you up and give you confidence and minister to your hurts, when you sit in that private, intimate place, that is what prepares you for a life of public ministry. You can go to all the classes in the world. You can go to the best theological seminary. You can go to Chi Alpha every week. You can lead a small group. But if you are not at his feet alone, receiving and soaking up the absolute um, extravagant love that he has for you, 
Until you receive it, it can't flow out. Okay, because the Bible says freely you have received, therefore freely give. It doesn't say give first. You freely you have received what God has for you. So much goodness, you can't even contain it all. So, so, so much of his presence. So much of his power. Just allow yourself to just yield and just receive it in the quiet place. Okay, so then he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. So send the crowds away so they can go to villages and buy themselves some food. Like, we're getting hungry. Okay, send these people away, Jesus. We're hungry. Okay, it's dinner time. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. I love this because the crowds had been with them all day. It was getting late. Um, in ver- in uh, chapter 15, just the next chapter over, when Jesus was feeding the crowds again, it said that the crowds had been with him three days already. And so what that spoke to me was that people were hungry for Jesus. They walked to be with him and they stayed with him out in the middle of nowhere where there, I mean, there's no McDonald's out there. There's no Chick-fil-A. There's no Starbucks. They stayed with him because they were hungrier to be in his presence than they were for anything else. And sometimes being in Jesus' presence means getting uncomfortable. I can guarantee you that Melissa was not comfortable in the scorching heat, in being dirty from head to toe, not have slept. Her water was hot. The food was gross. I've seen the way they wash their dishes, where she was on base in Africa. The water is dirty, you guys. <laughs> it was so dirty. And I was watching the video, and I was like, Jesus, don't send me to that place. <laughs> because I, I don't think I could do that, Lord. And then he said, you need to go there. I said, okay. <laughs> so y'all can pray for me, because we're actually going to go to Africa, and we're going to go to the same school that um, she went to. Um, so I need prayer for that. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, I'm just going to take my nail polish and uh, my hairspray, and I'll be okay. <laughs> um, these people were willing to be uncomfortable because it was so worth it. You know, we talk about dying to self in the big sessions, and we talk about laying down ourself. Um, and these minor uncomfortable things that we have to endure are so worth it, you guys. When he asks you to sacrifice something and you're in there and you're on the carpet and you're on your face and he's put his finger on that thing that you need to repent from or lay down or whatever it is, he's not trying to take something from you guys. He's trying to get something to you. He is trying to get something so good to you. And it's just this little tiny thing that seems really big in your eyes. And sometimes it is big. I understand, like God knows. Sometimes these things are really hard to lay down. But if you'll just lay down these things, he will fill you with something so much greater. And you'll look back and think, oh my gosh, that's all I had to give up for this. It was so worth it. Dying to self is so amazing because you you get more of Jesus. And then all you want is more of him. All you, and then you're like, ooh, what else can I give up? Because then I can get closer to you. What else can I sacrifice? Lord, I'll give it all. I'll give it all. I just need more of you because you're so amazing. So he says, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. He said, we, they said, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered. 
So in life, how many times do you, does the Lord ask you to do something, but you don't have enough to do the thing? Right? Has anybody ever experienced that? Go to college. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I don't have $40,000, right? Or however much it costs to go to college. Varying. So, or hey, you need to give a year. Back to Kai Or you need to give a year overseas. Do you know the Lord never gives you all of it up front? That's just how he works. And if you expect that he will, then you'll constantly be disappointed. That'll be a sticking point. <laughs> it's going to be difficult. So it's kind of encouraging to know, okay, this is just how God works. But what does he do? He gives you a seed. He gives you something to guarantee that the rest is coming. Always. So he may give you a word, a prophetic word. Prophetic words are always seeds that the harvest is coming. It doesn't mean like you get the word that you're going to be promoted and like the next day you get promoted. That's usually not how it goes. He gives you that word to carry you through the process it's going to take to get to your promotion. Okay? He's going to give you a seed of money to see how you're going to sow that. Did you know the word, I know you know this, the word of God is a seed, right? It's how you plant it in your heart to bear a harvest. Every single miracle that Jesus did was just a seed because greater, 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 greater miracles are coming. That's why I said it's better for me to go so that you can do greater things. Even the miracles he did are just little tiny seeds compared to what he wants to do. It's all just a seed. Jesus was the first fruits of the harvest of what was to come. Jesus was the the first the first one of God's kids that he literally laid down to die just like a seed has to die so that he could harvest all of us as his children. And so you read one miracle in the word, that means there's a thousand more. If you have a seed of money, that means there's a thousand more dollars coming. If you have a seed of a word that God has put in your heart, if you just have a glimmer of a dream, that means the rest of it is coming. So they had five loaves of bread and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. So you bring that seed to the Lord and you say, what in the world am I supposed to do with this little thing I got? I don't have the whole thing, but I got a seed. So Jesus Jesus said, he directed the people to sit down on the grass Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. So when you don't have enough, you're thankful. When you're in the place where you don't have enough, that's when you're thankful. That's when the heart, that's that's part of your seed that you sow. He broke the seed, okay, symbolic, making it nothing. He broke it. It's kind of like when your dream dies and you think, man, I really can't do anything now. That's when it's just beginning. He gave thanks. He was thankful for it. And then he gave the bread to the disciples. I love this. Because Jesus didn't come here just to do everything by himself. He came to teach us how to do it. He said, okay, disciples, I'm going to help. I want to bring you along in this. I'm going to teach you how to walk in miracles. If you'll say, Jesus, teach me how to walk in miracles, he'll do it. So he gave it to the disciples. He wants to include all of us, to teach us how to do this. And he gave them to the people, and they all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up the 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Why? Why were there pieces left over? Does anybody know? No. Okay. Too much food. 
<laughs> hey, very good. There was too much food. That tells me that God is always more than enough. There's always more than enough for you. In the beginning, it, it, it looks like not enough. But when you bring it to Jesus and you lay it at his feet, he'll give you more than enough every time. God is more than enough. He's more than enough for your healing. He's more than enough to get you through school. He's more than enough. And it also tells me, because they went and they actually, you're talking like thousands of people, like ten to 15,000 of people, um, if you include women and children, and they actually went and walked through thousands of people to pick up all these pieces of bread. Why? Because God never wastes anything. He never wastes anything. Even the, the pieces of your life that look broken, God's not going to waste that. It's important. So he's more than enough. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides the women and children. Okay, let's go on there. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. So there he is going back to the Father and spending time with the Lord. Those are some of the sweetest moments of your life, you guys. The moments where it's just you and Him. That's where it's, that's where it's the best. When it's just you and Jesus. And as you go throughout life, those moments will be more difficult to come by. It's more difficult to get by yourself. And it's so easy for the time to completely slip away. You're busy. But that is absolutely the most precious part. You know, Heidi Baker, who um, Melissa studied with in Africa, she said, my purpose on earth is intimacy with the Father. That's my purpose. It's not, it's not to run the ministry. It's not to feed the thousands of children that they feed every day. It's intimacy with the Father. And all of the fruitfulness. They've seen so many people raised from the dead, they can't even, they've lost count. All of that fruitfulness comes from intimacy with the Father. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land with the disciples in it, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So skip on down. Jesus, Jesus starts walking out to them on the lake, on the water. He just walks out to them. And the disciples are freaked out. And they're like, oh, it's a ghost. And they're like, ah, help us. And he's like, no, it's me. Don't be scared. It's Jesus. And I have prayed, God, what is the meaning of the walking on the water? What is the deeper theological truth here? And you know what I've come to believe, honestly? And, and there are some passages where as you dig deep, there's more truth and more truth. And man, God just, like, you can just mine out so much treasure in the word. But there are some things and this is one of them because he can because it's cool because Jesus is awesome and he's all powerful and he can like walk on water and it's awesome and so Peter was like alright if it's you tell me to come out on the water and he's like okay <laughs> come out on the water and Peter's like whoa and then he's like oh crap and he starts to fall because it's easy to get your eyes off Jesus and to look at all the reasons why you can't all, because the reasons why you can't are always screaming. Always. You can't. You're not good enough. You can't. You don't have enough. You don't know enough. You're not enough. Whatever the lies are, they're always out there. But while he was looking at Jesus, he walked on the water. 
How amazing is that? Do you know God will do stuff in your life just to bless your socks off because he can? Just because you are so precious to him? Isn't that awesome? Like, not everything is about, is like super serious. Um, I heard a preacher once say that if sin hadn't entered the world, God never would have had a serious thought. If you think about a father and how a father loves to play with his kids, what do dads like to do with their kids? Like roll around on the ground and tickle and wrestle and have fun and like take them fishing and go to the mood, like fun stuff, right? God is a father. Like sometimes when the Holy Spirit touches me, I just start to laugh. It's embarrassing sometimes. It's not, I, I don't choose that. Like, I'm like, Lord, really? <laughs> Nobody else is laughing, God. <laughs> but that's just his way. And you kind of have to be willing to act full sometimes if you're going to let God get really close to you. Okay, so you got a lot of walls up. You're not really going to be able to experience the intimacy that he wants. But as a good father, sometimes he just wants to have fun with you. So just say, God, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for me? I'm your I'm your kid. Like, let's just have fun. All right, food for thought. Going on. So anyway, that's that. Um, what else do we have here? Oh, that music though. I know, right? Ah, uh, okay. So here's something else. I was praying and I was asking the Lord because I do pray for the sick. I do pray for miracles because um, it's command in the word. I'm not special. Um, the Lord says in Matthew 10, 8, he told his disciples, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. That's like our command. That's what we're supposed to do. Go. He didn't say have Bible studies. No, he did say disciple, all nations, so obviously we got to study the Bible. But it's easy how we can just kind of like focus on some things that are easier to do and kind of like ignore the things that are sort of scary to attempt. But I know that that's a command. And so I said, Lord, just make me willing to, to pray for the sick. Um, help me step out. Help me be willing um, to do things that I'm uncomfortable with. And so he has been, and I've been praying for the sick. And I, I was with the Lord um, on a mission trip, actually. And I said, Lord, why aren't more people getting healed instantly right now? And I really believe that he showed me that just as how, just like the, the crowds followed Jesus everywhere he went, he said, are you ready for that? Are you ready for crowds of people to follow you everywhere you go? Like for a woman to carry her son into the room right now and say, please pray for my son, he's dying. Or for me to show up at a restaurant and like people come in the restaurant and say, please pray for my daughter, she's demon possessed. Okay. This is what Jesus had to deal with day and night. People wanting him all the time. And I was like, whoa. Uh, No, no, I'm not really ready for that. Uh, But I want to be ready for that. I want to be ready for that. How do I, how do I do, how do I prepare for that? Um, And it's character. It is preparing your character to stand up under the weight that the supernatural will put on your life. There's a lot of pressure that comes um, with raising the dead and healing the sick and casting out demons. 
pressure like you've never experienced. Pressure to get into offense. Pressure to get short-tempered. Pressure to not spend time with the Lord. Pressure to put other things and other people's opinions above the Lord's. And so now my prayer is, Lord, develop the character in me. Develop my utmost devotion to you so that I will have the integrity and the patience and the kindness to stand up under the pressure that walking in the supernatural will inevitably bring. I want that. I want to flow in such love toward people, in such kindness toward people, um, because the higher up you go, the more people will want your time, the more people will want to talk to you, the more people will want to suck the life right out of you. It's just the way it is. So I say, Lord, prepare me for that. Prepare me for that. Um, what time is it? Oh, no, that's terrible. Okay, Lord, we're going to go. Okay, so real quick. All right, you still with me? We good? Yeah, we're so good. Say, I'm so good. Say, I'm going to do miracles. I'm going to do miracles. You'll do it, I know, Jesus. Okay, so real quickly. We see how the Lord ministered to unbelievers, okay? In Matthew 14, 14, you don't have to look this up, um, but that's what we just read. He had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. So what does that mean? Sometimes the Lord heals out of the sheer just love that he has for people. It didn't say it was their faith, okay? Jesus loves people. He healed them. Boom. Other times, um, like in John 9, 6, when he spit on the ground, and he made mud, and he put it on the guy's eyes. Okay, so that guy didn't even know who Jesus was. So it did not have anything to do with that guy's faith, all right? And that's very important. When you're praying with someone, if it's an unbeliever, they don't have to believe. They don't have to believe anything. You believe. You believe the Lord's going to touch them. You believe the Lord. You believe the word above all else, okay? So the other thing is be obedient. Why do people get healed? Because Jesus was obedient. I can't, the person sitting across from me in a restaurant can't get healed if I'm not obedient to go pray for them. Okay? Maybe the Lord will send somebody else. But I can't experience the joy of seeing God do that through me if I am not obedient. And many times it will be obedient to do something that is weird. It's just the way he works, guys. I think that Jesus like really likes breaking social norms. I don't exactly know why. I think it's because he doesn't want you to get comfortable I kind of think that's where he always wants to keep you kind of on the edge of where you're comfortable. He always wants to stretch you, take you further, take you deeper. And so it's very possible that he will ask you to do something that maybe doesn't make a lot of sense. And so you're going to check, okay, Holy Spirit, is that you? Okay, I think that's you. And then you step out. If it goes terribly, it's okay. It's fine. What if it's awkward? What if they don't get healed? Then they didn't get healed at that moment. It's okay. And you stepped out. You're letting God use you. You're allowing God to take you a step further than you were before. It's okay. It's totally fine. So he made mud. He totally broke a social rule. He broke religious rules, which as you start seeing God use you supernaturally, there will be religious people who do not like that, who will say things like, who do you think you are? That you can just go around thinking you're Jesus, doing miracles, okay? And they'll tell you all the reasons why you can't. That's normal. That's what they did to the guy 
who is, whose eyes were healed. The Pharisees came to him and questioned him, and who is this guy, and why would you let him do this to you? And he was like, look, I don't know who he is. I, he just healed me. That's all I know. All we know is to stick to the word. All the you can't and you won't, eh, you just, you just don't listen to that. You listen to his voice. Okay? Many times with believers, it's a little different. In Mark 9, 24, when the father cried out to Jesus because he had his son who was demon-possessed, and he said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Okay? So many times as believers, the Lord wants to train you how to walk in this thing. Okay? He does not put the sickness on you. He did not put the demon in the kid. But he doesn't want to just do everything for you. He's going to bring you up and teach you how to walk in it. He's going to teach you how to believe, how to say no to fear, okay? So he, so he's going to meet you where you are. So if you have doubts, just say, Jesus, I have doubts. I'm really having a hard time. Help my unbelief. And then he'll meet you there. There have been times after I've prayed with people, and it's I walk away and I say, okay, Lord, like, that was kind of awkward. I don't know if they had a really positive, like, I want them to encounter you, Jesus, and I want it to be a positive encounter. So if it's, like, awkward and weird, I say, okay, Lord, is there something that you can teach me to do or to say to help it be, you know, more genuine, more authentic, like, a better interaction with people? And he'll teach me. And he's actually said, okay, well, you need to do this. I'm like, okay, so I fix it, and then I go back out again. So allow him to teach you. Allow him to teach you how to do this. Um, I was just in a restaurant, and there was a guy, and I noticed he was limping, and I went over to his table, and I said, hey, you know, I, I'm, can I sit down for a minute? I said, I couldn't help but notice that, that you had a limp. Is it okay if I pray for that? And he said, yeah, sure. So I prayed for him, and then I asked him to test it out, okay, because I believe right now, healing right now. And it doesn't always happen right now, but sometimes it does. And the more I pray and the more I let God teach me, the more I will see healings right now instantly okay and so we prayed and I had him tested out and he was like well you know it's just kind of the same I said okay as I walk away from that situation I still believe he's going to be healed it's not like oh god (laughs) he didn't get healed Jesus I still believe do you know that guy could like walk into the session tonight and God could touch him it's not just like a disappointment for me because God's still working on him. I obeyed. I prayed for the guy and now I just trust that God's going to do it. So it's okay if nothing happens. Like it's totally fine. I always hear that when I see somebody and I think, oh, I need to pray for them. Especially if they're in a wheelchair. Oh, Jesus, the wheelchairs. (laughs) And then, you know, my next thought is like, what if they don't get up? (laughs) And then his answer is always, well, what if they don't? So what? What if they do? That would be awesome. So just put yourself out there. Be vulnerable. So he's teaching people. When You guys remember the story of Jairus? Okay. His daughter was very sick, and so he went to go get Jesus, and he's taking them. They're, they're walking back to Jairus' house, but on the way back, he gets held up because another woman gets healed. And if I were Jairus, I'd have been like, um, excuse me. Um, get away. This is about my kid and my healing, so that's great that you got healed, but you're you're taking up my time. Um, But Jesus, so then they came to him, and they said, Jairus, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter has died. Well, great. She got healed, but now my kid's dead, right? There's always going to be opportunities for offense, 
when you're believing for God to do more in your life. There are always going to be opportunities for you to get so mad at what somebody said, at a situation, how something didn't work out. But he looked at J. Iris and what did he say? Does anybody know? That's right. He said, do not fear. He said, do not fear. And I don't think that was kind of like, oh, don't be afraid. I think he looked at J. Iris with his daughter's life on the line and said, don't you fear. Don't let fear in. He wants to train us up how to be strong, how to not let fear in. Okay? It's not enough that I like hold my baby when he's little, but then if I were still holding him and carrying him around when he were eight, ten years old, that'd be weird. I want my son to grow up strong and to learn how to do things on his own. And it's the same with Jesus. Everything he did, he's going to teach you how to do it. Okay? So then in Luke 8.48, he says to the woman with the issue of blood, he says, your faith has healed you. So we see in some instances, it's not the person's faith at all. It's the, it's the faith of the person who's praying. And then in other instances, he's teaching us how to believe for our healing. And then on the other side, it's, wow, your faith brought in the harvest of healing. Because faith is believing for what you can't yet see, right? It's already there. It's already there. We just have to believe to receive it. And so depending on where in that process you are, you know, there's some people that when they feel symptoms come on, they're like, mm-mm, I am healed. Don't even think you're going to come on me. I'm healed in the name of Jesus. And the symptoms don't last very long. They leave. That's like a real thing. That is awesome. That is walking in the authority and in the power that Jesus gave you because of his death, because of his blood, because of his sacrifice. So you can walk there. You can walk in that place. And then, um, you know, we talked about breaking religious rules. I love this story a pastor was teaching. He said, I was on the front row of a conference with another missionary And there was a woman dancing in the altar. And he said, you know, I've seen the Holy Spirit do a lot of things. Weird things. I mean, people acting weird, people doing funny things, laughing, crying, screaming, whatever. He said, but this was really weird. He wasn't sure it was the Holy Spirit because people can get into emotionalism. You know, people can get flaky. People can do weird things for the sake of weird, and it's not the Lord. And so he was kind of on the line, like, God, is this you? Like, this is so weird. I don't know if this is you. And the other missionary leaned over to him and she said, don't you hate it when people act just like Holy Spirit? And he was like, Ugh. yeah, I knew that was you, God. I knew, I knew that was you doing that. Turns out the woman had been delivered from prostitution. She had been freed. That woman's life, had she had been rescued from darkness, from oppression. And she was dancing in such a way that was so completely unhindered to the Lord. It was pure. It was weird, but it was pure. Okay? Embrace the weird sometimes. It's okay. It's all right. So real quick before we leave, um, I just want to encourage you to pray for people. Pray for people a lot. The more you reach out to people, the more miracles you're going to see. If you pray for 10 people, um, you know, I guess what I'm saying is the more people you pray for, the greater chance you're going to have to see miracles work. And when things don't work out, just keep going back to Jesus. 
God, I just want more of you because here's, here's the deal. My relationship with the Lord is not about how many outward demonstrations I see. My relationship with the Lord is, God, I want to be like you. I just want to be like you, Jesus. I want to be like you in the quiet place. I want to be like you in my character. I want to walk like you in my relationships. I want to walk like you in the supernatural. I want it all. So it's not just about, oh, I saw a healing today. God did something cool through me today. But God, it's make my heart, conform my heart so that I am so one with you, God. I am so connected with you, Jesus, that I hear your voice. I'm in step with you. When you say go, I go. When you say wait, I wait. My, what I kind of think about is I go unless the Lord says no. If I see an opportunity to pray for somebody, if I see an opportunity to serve, if I see an opportunity, I go unless the Holy Spirit gives me a check and I wait. And if I don't feel a no, then I go. 